Welcome to Dr. What? Dr. Where? Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. Emergency departments are the first port of call for seriously ill patients. For the most part, these patients will just go to their nearest hospital with an emergency department. This means the only differences between an emergency department at a metropolitan hospital and a rural health service are their size and capability. After all, the patients and cases they present with aren't any different. On the other hand, for an emergency doctor, we can find differences in the variety of work they do and the lifestyle which regional living offers. I think I've got more time just because of the lack of a commute. There's like there's a lake around, you know, you walk around or have a picnic around. The food is awesome. Like, I don't know if you've been to Bendigo before, but like Mason's and Woodhouse, we frequent a lot. <laughs> and there's wineries around. I'm, I'm not a drinker, but friends do go out to the wineries around. So there's, there's lots to do around here that I think people sometimes forget about. This is Dr. Ruvini Vithanagay, an emergency and intensive care registrar at Bendigo Health. She says the opportunities and support regional health services offered her were extremely valuable while studying. As a doctor, I haven't done a rotation anywhere else but Bendigo, uh, but as a student, I could see the difference. So, like, Wangaratta compared to the city or, like, when I did get to Bendigo, I just had more hands-on experience. So, for example, as a student, like, a simple IV cannula, I was already putting them in in my second year of medical school. So by the time I got to final year, I could just do them independently. So you could go let me like go off and do my thing whereas what I found was the CD students maybe weren't as comfortable with it because they didn't get the opportunity to do as many. Same thing with like the reg training. Um, having talked to a few friends who are training in the city, I can already put like central lines in and I'm comfortable with running a code blue. So I think I've just gotten more experience just because I think you get thrown into the deep end a bit more but with a bit of a leash so you can ask for help. What has that support been like? Yeah. Perhaps in situations where you're a bit uh, unfamiliar with the situations that you're treating, something where you might be a bit out of your depth in terms of skills. Uh, An example could be like, like I run the department overnight in ED this year. I'm not airway trained. So say if I was uncomfortable with someone coming in and they're losing their airway, I've got all the consultants' names on my phone. So they're essentially just a phone call away and they live about 15 minutes away, they have to. And they understand that I am junior, although I'm being put in a situation where I have to step up. So they're so aware of that situation. So they come in quite early, they're happy to be called. You know, like code blues, I run and I'm on the phone with the bosses and they're happy to support me through that. Uh, And if I'm uncomfortable, they won't push me to do it. So they just hold my hand as I go through those procedures. So it's been super supportive and it's great. And how have you found running the ED overnight? Look, it was daunting at first. Um, It is a huge task, but you just learn to learn the little tips and tricks of the trade. You know, you have a coffee with a consultant and say, look, I found this hard. What do you do? Because that's their job during the day. And they're very, very helpful. And they're happy to be called overnight just to be like, oh, look, I don't know what this is. What do I do? So that's always a good thing. And I've got a great team. So I think being rural, we all understand that we rely on each other. So like... 
often if we have too many people to see, you know, the medreg might see a couple for us or the peeves reg might come and, you know, see the kids and discharge the ones that don't need to be there and admit the ones that do need to come in. The ICU reg might come and, you know, see a few people in the department. So I think we all work as a very tight team just because we're a small team. So it's been easier that way so that I can rely on my team in the hospital as well as my ED team to get through. You know, what made you want to get into emergency medicine as a pathway? So I did St John Ambulance just before med school. I was an engineer before doing medicine. I got bored and I quit and ended up just volunteering for a bit and then met this ED physician who did this amazing stuff, you know, in the field, in raves and like music festivals and I just thought that just looked really cool and he just coached me into, I guess, emergency medicine. So I always kind of had a soft spot for it. You're also looking at intensive care medicine as well. Yeah. I guess that sort of goes hand in hand with emergency. I see you essentially medium term, uh, but very high acuity. And I have a smaller amount of people that I have to take care of, whereas emergency could be the whole of the ED plus the waiting room. So in terms of taking care of people, it's a lot more volume in ED, a lot less in ICU, but the acuity is higher. And the intensive care department here is fantastic. Like you get very sick people and we've had people that we've had to ship out like on ECMO and things like that. So we do get very, very sick people, but the consultant support is always there. You know, the consultant comes in three times a day, uh, make sure you're all right. We always chat about what we do with every patient, have a plan all the time. It's somewhat of a different environment in that it's a slower paced, which I... Sometimes like, uh, it's nice to get away from the hustle and bustle of ED. They are very different beasts in the same sense. We get transfers from Innes One Hill, Chuka, um, Kerrang, even Forest and Liquin. So you could have a transfer direct to your ICU as well. So yeah, sick people from a very wide area. It's quite different working in the country, I think, in, the, in an ICU as opposed to the city. And have you got any stories that you'd be willing to share over your time practicing here so first one is from the ed bendigo gets super cold like you think melbourne's cold but bendigo gets you know zero negative four degrees overnight the ambulance just brought over a man who's been found outside unconscious but he, he had woken up and he was talking on the way to ed he was quite cold they just essentially wrapped him up picked him up and came to ed um so we obviously worried about in the middle of winter like hypothermia so like we were really worried that he was too cold and in fact he was 27 degrees so rather than 37 he was 27 and the scary thing about that is that you can have a cardiac arrest because you're so cold and the heart doesn't tolerate that that much cold blood and essentially he did he just moved his arms and that was it he arrested so essentially we had to just run the cardiac arrest and Unfortunately, in, in a hypothermic arrest, you run it for an hour, two hours. And we essentially use the whole of the ED to do CPR because you can only do CPR for two minutes. So, like, there was a line, from, like, essentially cleaners, um, residents, interns, registrars, medical registrar, didn't matter who it was, they were doing CPR. Like, I was on the defib machine. We had anaesthetics at the bedhead. We were doing everything we can for this man. Unfortunately, it wasn't a good outcome, but... It was just incredible to see the teamwork and also it's a really interesting presentation. Like you don't get that everywhere. You know, we get traumas that are, 
you know, fall off a horse and the horse falls on the man. Um, you can have pelvises that are open. So we get to stabilise those kind of patients that are really, really sick. They don't necessarily stay here, but they get transferred, but we get to do the initial work. You know, as a junior registrar, I've had to stick fingers in people's chests because their lungs popped while they're getting their lung biopsy. And I remember, you know, running with this patient into recess and literally getting my sterile gloves on and trying to get the finger in so that they could breathe, so the lung could expand. I think the other memorable one from ICU is um, I had a man who was actually in the unit with pneumonia. Just one whole lung had pneumonia. And it was interesting because that doesn't usually happen. It's usually both lungs. The team did everything that we could to improve his oxygenation. Unfortunately, he had airways disease and wasn't really going well. So we were doing everything we can here and the next step was to get him to somewhere they could do ECMO. So just get blood out, oxygenate it and put it back into his body. And that can be really done at Royal Melbourne or the Alfred. So the Alfred team came and they did some cannulations and started ECMO here. Um, And that was incredible to say, not that we do it here, but just what we could do for patients and that we do get, you know, such sick patients. Often... I think it's easy to kind of dismiss and say, oh, you know, country hospital. We sh- probably won't get any sick people, but we do. We, like, you know, we manage them really well up until we reach our capabilities and then have to move on. But it's really interesting presentations, day in, day out. Would you have any advice for someone who's looking at getting into intensive care medicine or ED mm-hmm. that might be looking at regional pathways, might be looking at studying regionally or even yep. doing some of their training? So I think it's good to get to rural hospitals as a medical student to start with. I think you get a lot of hands-on skill that you wouldn't otherwise get, which sets you up really well for an internship anywhere you like. And having said that, I think I'll recommend a rural internship because you feel so supported and you feel you're given the opportunities that perhaps you won't get in the city. Like as an intern, I got to put central lines in. Very supervised. I mean, they were holding my hand, but I got that opportunity. Or as a my first day of medical student, I got to do CPR on a person any day. So things like that, that it's you get these incredible opportunities. In terms of training pathways, I think you can do a lot of quick care in the country. So I've certainly done four years and I'm staying on for another year because I'm doing anaesthetics. It's quite hard to get in the city and having been here for four years, it was an obvious next step. So I think you can do a lot of quick care here and then move on to the city for the, you know, the high acuity, the very interesting, like very rare presentations, um, like how you could do trauma. The Alfred does burns and things like that. But you know, you don't need that at the start of the training. You can do that in like in the later years of your training. So I definitely encourage people to come here as an intern or resident. I think it doesn't quite matter what level you're at in the junior years, but certainly makes it easier if you come here as an intern because people get to know you and, you know, opportunities open up and it's like, oh, tap on the shoulder. Do you want to apply for this job? So certainly apply to a rural place. It doesn't make it that hard to get back to the city if that's a concern just because the bosses that work here also work in the city. So if you prove yourself to be a good enough doctor, I think opportunities open up anywhere. Uh, The world's your oyster. So I think it doesn't restrict you. It actually opens up doors. You're looking at doing anaesthesia here next year. You've done a bit in intensive care and emergency medicine. Yeah. And now you're looking at getting into anaesthesia. Do you find that 
a lot of the opportunities in regional areas give you more of a generalistic outlook. Definitely. is very much general. ED is so open and ICU here is a very general ICU as well. And in anaesthetics, you know, I'm not just looking at, you know, hepatobiliary or just scopes. I'm looking at kids. I'm looking at women's anaesthesia and just general, you know, from five years old to 85 years old. So I think it gives me a very broad experience. And I think like specialising later is a different kettle of fish I think to start with that general experience is so valuable and 12 months of anesthetics anywhere else is, is very hard to get so I'd certainly encourage anyone who's thinking about a quick care career to come here to Bendigo um, or anywhere else in the country. In Warrigal, Dr Gary Campaign is the Director of Emergency Medicine at the West Gippsland Healthcare Group. In his more than three decades of practicing, he's seen a big increase in capability, resourcing and training opportunities in regional hospitals. Now, when we started at Danong, uh, there were probably only two actual specialists there, a director and a deputy director. There would have been no specialists out this way. And, you know, you can now see that we've got something like, you know, 13 emergency physicians here. So big difference. And it's a very supportive educational environment now. So we used to learn from our mistakes and now now we learn through supervision, which is great. Are you originally from Melbourne? Yeah, I was born in, well, Burwood. It's now known as Glen Iris. You know, my dad and mum were all Melbourneites, I suppose, but um, not really country. And I think it was just the, it was an added freedom that you just felt like you were not isolated, but you could get away from your everyday hassles at work and you can come home and just totally relax. So a lot of the lifestyle of country living attracted you to, to move regionally? Yeah, and, and so from Ballarat, I became the director there in, at Ballarat Base Hospital and we were doing retrievals. Um, I must say at that time I moved my wife away from her family and all her supports with three kids under the age of four. You develop your own little network of, of support people and there's a lot of people, almost like repatriates going to that country town. We all help each other out. So it's it's like an extended family. From Ballarat, I also worked at Bendigo for a while and was also even commuting to La Trobe Regional Hospital just on uh, weekends to do some shifts there. And then eventually uh, came back to uh, Melbourne and lived at Paston Lakes and worked at Casey Hospital, which was the new hospital from Monash Health which was built out past Danong which is closest to us and worked there for about seven years then went for one year at La Trobe Regional Hospital and went back to Casey and then finally been here at Warrigal for the last five and a half years. Yeah it is quite a tour of regional Victoria. Did you find anything challenging about moving out of Melbourne and away from your family? As a doctor working in, uh, in country areas, I think you can make more of a, a difference than you can in a metro place. So a metro place, you're just walking around and you're just one of the walking biros. If you're in a rural place, you can actually make a difference. And that's what I enjoy out of it is that you've got an idea, you're more likely to be able to implement it and hopefully produce a positive impact. Yeah, what would some of those advantages be in terms of practising regionally rather than in a large tertiary hospital? I think it's just what I said before was the uh, advantages of making a positive impact a lot easier. I suppose one of the 
disadvantages you could look at is you haven't got this, all the support specialties there that you may have in a metropolitan hospital. That just means that you you have to know perhaps a little bit more about critical care and not be reliant so much on the other specialties and to think about transferring the patient earlier rather than later. Do you find that there's a different patient experience when they're being treated regionally? Yeah, I, I think generally the, well, it might be a cliche, but I, I actually personally find the um, uh, patients in rural Victoria to be a lot more stoic and actually a lot more grateful for the care you give them than in a metro hospital, I think it's more expected. I, I think that the expectations are different. Well, maybe that's the feedback we get from the patients is, is they make you feel like you've done a good job. What opportunities would there be for people looking to looking to do placement in Warrigal? We've collaborated with our nearby hospitals, so Latrobe Regional Hospital and also Bass Coast, to look at training in emergency medicine. We can provide at least the first two years, if not three, of emergency medicine training in the region. Our feeling, you know, one of the major problems the government's trying to address is how do you get rural doctors to train in Maine in the country? And my personal belief is is that falsely doctors think that the only way they can get into a specialty is to go into the metropolitan area, do their specialty, and the problem is is they go and meet their significant other there and settle down and you usually stick with where the significant other's parents are, um, or all their supports are. And I think that if we can provide uh, regional training in um, a rural space, then they will meet their significant other here and be more likely to come back as a specialist. So we can offer them, you know, six months of emergency at our place and then six months of anaesthetics, which is accredited. At La Trobe Regional Hospital, they can do six months of emergency and six months of ICU and no doubt anaesthetics. And at Bass Coast, they can also do six months of emergency and six months of anaesthetics. There's also other rotations available, such as general medicine. I'm sure at La Trobe Regional, they have other specialties they could also offer outside of that. You find that if people study outside of Melbourne, they might get a, a taste of what it's like out here and be more inclined to move? Uh, a lot of the medical students now are, are trained out in uh, at Monash, at the Rural Clinical School. And a lot of those medical students then choose to do their internship uh, back in Melbourne. And I think that they can only get there, especially they want to do, if they go back to a Melbourne hospital. Well, I think that's changing. And I think the advantage of being an intern or a second year or a third year in a rural place is you'll get to do a lot more than your metropolitan counterpart. Have you seen much of a change in attitudes towards training doctors in a rural area since you started? Uh, yeah, look, since the regional training hub has um, been formed in Gippsland, we've developed more second and third year rotations that allow doctors to stay in regional Victoria. Prior, they used to do their intern year and then all they had was available to them was emergency medicine. We've sort of developed a a taster plate so you can get access to paediatrics to ONG so the doctor can sort of fill out what do I want to do in the future and um, then by developing the specialty training pathways they've got opportunities to to actually do their training in the country so they'll get a better experience as a, as a junior doctor and then they're more likely to be successful later as a registrar. Warrigal and the surrounding suburbs are growing at a decent rate. And has this affected the, the healthcare needs of the community? Without getting too political, 
you know, we're one of the fastest growing um, regions in, in Victoria and you know, Warrigal Hospital is a hospital that's probably over 100 years old and as you can see today, well, probably the listeners can't, but we've got a lot of building going on with a short-stay unit and a third theatre happening. What we really need is a, is a new hospital uh, to cater for that increasing demand. You know, I can foresee that in 20 years that, that freeway as you're driving down you just see less and less of green paddock and, and more and more of houses going up. So the, the population's coming and, and we just need to make sure the infrastructure keeps up with it. If you were studying medicine and looking at perhaps emergency medicine as a career pathway, what advice would you give yourself? Emergency medicine's changed, I suppose, since I joined and, and for the reasons that I joined. I think... The things I've learned over the time is is the patient's often right and you're wrong. That's number one. Number two is is the parents are always right and, and you always follow their feelings because they know the child. And I think the other thing is is anyone who questions you, use that as an opportunity to rethink what you're thinking because it's a good time to check, hey, have I got it wrong? Because we're all human and... Every day, you know, 10% of our decisions are wrong and that's why those systems are in place to try and capture them. I think the other thing with emergency medicine is, as a, as a career is that to do it full-time for 30 to 40 years is, can take a big toll on you because it is, it is a, a pretty full-on specialty. And I think, you know, the first 10 years is fine and after 10 years you need to start thinking about okay, how can I diversify? And one of the things I think I'm good at is IT and I've sort of made my little niche in IT. And um, so, you know, if you can try and work out in a long-term goal that 50% of your time is clinical and 50% is non-clinical, that's a very good work-life balance. Mm. And um, I think that's that's the main thing. And, and the advantages in emergency medicine is there are ways to diversify. You can go into short-stay medicine, you can go into toxicology, you can go into retrieval, you can go into administration, you can go into IT, you can go into quality assurance. There are all sorts of things that you can do as an aside to emergency medicine. Do you find that intensity might be a drawback to some people? Look, it, it can be, but it's also what first attracts you to emergency medicine. So I think the thing is, is that people change as they get older and I'm certainly one of those people. The good thing about emergency medicine is, is that it is adaptable. It's a good specialty to be in, and I've certainly enjoyed it and don't look back that I should not have done it. Mildura is uniquely positioned in the northwest corner of Victoria. The Mildura-based hospital's emergency department covers an extensive area of the state and even extends across the border into New South Wales. It's probably the most remote area in uh, Victoria and we service quite a large geographical area so we cover right from the state border with South Australia up into sort of halfway towards Broken Hill across to Balranald down covering Echuca, Swan Hill and as far as Sea Lake. Dr Dan Turner is the director of Mildura Base Hospital's emergency department. Their location changes their approach to many different aspects of healthcare, like how they can't go on bypass. The large distances also play a key role in shaping their responses to emergencies. Well, we're the only emergency department in that large geographical area. The next sort of emergency department uh, would be Bendigo Health, 
Um, and then all of our referrals that go out of this area have to go by air, so they all go to Melbourne or Adelaide. Part of that would mean you would also have a pretty extensive range of health services here. The emergency department is pretty well supported by the hospital in terms of what we have behind us. We, you know, we also see a, a really interesting case mix here because so, we see everything from pediatrics to geriatrics, uh, trauma, uh, Aboriginal health, mental health, women's health. You know, we, see, we see everything where some of the uh, tertiary centres won't see trauma or won't see pediatrics or these sorts of things. And how does that shape the training experience for junior doctors? I think it, it's great. They get to see everything. Um, and they also um, get to do a lot more in terms of hands-on uh, in the country. And they get to spend a bit more time with their patients sort of looking after them instead of handing them on to a specialty service straight away. You know, you would sometimes need support from Melbourne or perhaps even Adelaide since that's closer. Uh, what's that support like? It's had its teething problems over the 17 years that I've been here, but um, now Victoria has quite a, a good support network coming up out of Melbourne. We have a statewide trauma service now that runs quite efficiently and has 24-hour phone access to trauma consultants whenever we want. They also have the Victorian Adult Retrieval Service, which now, again, provides 24-hour consult services as well as clinical support and retrieval. We've got PETS and Piper for the pediatric patients. And we've recently in our ICU started up a uh, telehealth support network with the intensive care at the Alfred Hospital, which is allowing us to keep and treat sicker patients here in Mildura with specialist support from the tertiary centers. What other sort of rotations you can do in ED here in Mildura? The way the training program is set up, the trainees can do their provisional year here which is before they enter their advanced training that may take one year two or three years to get past their primary exam and then they can do six months in emergency medicine that's probably set to change next year to a year um, the college is relooking at that but they can do six months to a year in emergency medicine they can then go into anesthetics here and do six months anesthetics. They can go into ICU and do three or six months ICU. They can do a pediatric rotation. They can do a cardiology rotation. They can do a medical rotation. And they can do a ONG rotation. We've had them do that. So, so they can do all of their provisional training here. And they can do probably up to about two years of their advanced training. They still are required to go on to the tertiary centers and do, do that last two years of their training somewhere else. But I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, within the field of emergency medicine, we encourage people to move around and, and see different sites and see how different emergency departments operate and what they're doing. So that's not a bad thing. In terms of, you know, your own um, career and, and practicing here in the ED uh, in Mildura, are there any stories that you'd be willing to share or discuss um, with us? Uh, I don't know about stories, but uh, I mean, in terms of career-wise, um, you know, I think Everyone gets a little bit nervous about going out to the country or working in rural and regional Australia. When we first came here sort of 17 years ago, it was, well, look, we'll try it for a year and see how we like it. And we're still here 17 years later, so obviously we've enjoyed it. I think the, the case mix that we get here and the opportunities that we get to, and the types of patients that we see is great. And I think that, uh, you know, we get to manage those patients a little bit longer and sort of look after them a little bit more than we would in tertiary centers. And I think that's very rewarding. I think the, the big trials or tribulations that people sort of have when they come to the country is that they don't have that support network of their family and friends that they would have in the big cities. I think that's offset by sort of lifestyle and life work-life balance. And we've got great weather up here. We've got great facilities outside of work. 
And, you know, you can always hop on a plane and be in one of the major tertiary centers for the weekend and have a bit of fun and come home. What would you say to someone who's looking at getting into emergency medicine or perhaps looking at studying regionally? Is there any advice that you would give someone in that position? I think everyone should go regional or rural for a period of their training. Um, I know certain medical and surgical colleges make it mandatory, and I believe the College of Emergency Medicine has a six-month rural rotation that they have to sort of do. You can do that in sort of outer metropolitan areas and some of the peripheral hospitals. I would encourage people to get right out into the rural areas and really see a, a different type of medicine and how things are done differently in, in, in smaller regional hospitals than in the big tertiary centers. And I think they'll find it very rewarding. Thanks to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening. You can find out more about the study and training opportunities in emergency medicine across regional Victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash SRH. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available, including one where we look at the training and study experience at Monash Rural Health. Find us on your podcast app of choice. And if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.